So as we're here this morning, uh, I want to talk to you about, uh, and I, I've just used one word. Let me say it's an honor to have uh, our conference bishop, Bishop Preston, and uh, and First Lady Miss Kathy with us this morning, as well, again, as all of you all that are here. Whether you're here every single week or this is your first time, you are greatly appreciated. But I want to speak to you about one word in particular, and that word is life. Life defined is uh, it's complex. It's a complex definition. One part of the definition of life describes it as the period of time between uh, being birthed or stretching from conception to death. That's the span of life. Uh, to some, it is considered the events that occur in that lifespan. That's what we refer to as life. Whether they be good or bad. Uh, From a scientific standpoint, it could simply mean in scientific terms that someone or something is still showing vital signs such as a heartbeat, of course, pulse, or, you know, respirations. Life is used to trademark some items. On the overhead uh, behind me, you'll see uh, one of my favorite cereals, and that's Life. Now, that's that's a modern-day Mikey. Some of you that are older remember the old Mikey. You know, of course, thank you. By virtue of marketing, they keep up with the times. And we have a modern-day Mikey that didn't think he would like Life, but once he tasted of that cereal... Mikey loved it. I'm a Mikey. I've loved it for years. Then there is, um, for the younger minded, then there's the life is good apparel. You know, you might have a hat or a shirt. Uh, You might have a pair of socks or whatever. I've looked at this stuff, and I'll be frank with you, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. But but it, it it bears the picture of a little stick man, and his name is Jake. And what happened is these two guys uh, in a short story form. They uh, these two guys they came up with this little uh, screen printing thing, and they went out one weekend with about I think forty or fifty shirts, and they tried their they tried their best to sell their shirts, and it was a failed attempt. But then they came back together, and they began to do these little stick men, and tagged it with "Life is Good," and now it's a multi-million dollar business business because there are people that are going out and buying the hats and the t-shirts and the socks and whatever else that has little Jake the stick man on it that says, "Life is good," and it seems like. Jake is just happy and has it all together. Just like you and I, right? And then there's, uh, then there's this board game life. I was amazed. I found out this thing was invented by Hasbro Brothers in, ni- in 1866. That's older than some of you all in this room. Not to name any names. But the board game life has been uh, revised several times, and it's been a long time since I've played it, but I, I did used to like to play it. But the board game life is a game of survival and success. 
where the participants travel through life and, and unless they've changed the newer versions, you have a little car, right? Some of y'all shaking your head. You have a little car and, 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 and you use that little car to accumulate your little pegs or sticks, what, whatever it is. And, and, and everything that happens in your life is dictated by a spin of the wheel. And it tells you the next move to make. As, the, as you achieve these little pegs as a player in your little stick car and you begin to collect fake money and you begin to buy insurance and even in the modern day version, so I read that you even have the opportunity to do investments. It's the game of life. And you get to display all your accomplishments. And the one who makes it to the very end with the most stuff Wins. They probably named that appropriately, didn't they? Life. That's about how we live our life. That's about how we sum our life up. It sounds very familiar to me. Life in itself, not the game, but life in itself is full of decisions. Nearly every moment of every day of every life is full of making decisions. It starts with whether or not you're going to get out of bed in the morning. Maybe it was what you would eat for breakfast when you got out of bed. It's about what clothes you would wear today. Uh, and and you're, you're already some of you are already thinking about it. Or maybe you've already made your decision about what you're going to do for lunch. Some of you had to decide what vehicle you were going to drive to church, whether you drive the Ford or the Chevrolet. I hope you picked the Chevrolet. I trust you did because you're here. If otherwise, you may not have made it. My Ford's in the shop, okay? I can say that. But we make decisions. We decide whether we get a cheese, we get a burger, we get it with cheese, without cheese. Burger King made a fortune off of us, allowing us to make our choices a number of years ago. Have it your way at Burger King. Life is full of choices in every at every turn. Sometimes one of the hardest decisions I have to make in life on a near, nearly a daily basis is whether I'm going to let that person that just drove by 15 signs that said left lane closed ahead, whether I'm going to let them in after they rode all the way up to the orange barrier. That's one of my toughest decisions. Really, Life is full of decisions. You made a decision whether or not you were going to be here this morning. No matter what, you and I cannot escape the decisions to be made in life. I'm putting decision making into two categories this morning. There's two types of decision making. It's either... We either make good decisions or bad decisions. Or if you want to use the word poor, that's fine. We make good decisions or we make bad decisions. Here's the thing about it. Every one of us in this room, we've made both kinds. We've made good decisions. We've made bad decisions. We've made decisions that have been prosperous. We've made decisions that have not been as prosperous. Good or bad decisions. I want to share some scripture with you this morning found in the book of Exodus. And then we're going to read from Psalms 23. 
In the book of Exodus chapter 13, the Scripture says, And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, so that they might travel by day and by night. Then when we go to that famous psalm, that 23rd psalm, just the third verse, we find that the psalmist wrote, He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His namesake. As we preach to you this morning, I want to preach to you about life. And I want to first introduce to you the work of the Good Shepherd. Oftentimes, as the Good Shepherd we focus on the hand of God. We're focused and we're thinking about God feeding us and nurturing us and making provision for us. In fact, one of my favorite names of God is is, is Jehovah Jireh. I did, that, that's probably out of all, all of the Hebrew names, that's probably me, probably my favorite, Jehovah Jireh, God that provides. We talked about this morning. We prayed about this morning. God making provision for us in every circumstance of life that we can possibly face. We find that and, and, and we believe that and, and, and we trust God to meet every need of our life. And we look to the hand of God for everything that we need. But the shepherd not only feeds his sheep, But the shepherd also leads his sheep through life. So it's not enough to just look to the hand of God, but we also should look to the face of God, if you would. For it's the face of God that leads us. All too often we seek the hand, but we fail to seek the face. But the shepherd was at work caring for Israel in both of the uh, illustrations or the scriptures that we read From this morning, the shepherd is at work caring for Israel or caring for his people, caring for his church. He listened, he provided water in the desert out of a rock and he dropped manna out of heaven for them for food. The hand of God was present. The hand of God was moving. The hand of God was providing for all of those Israelites. Some estimate probably as many as two or three million. There's some estimates that are, that are low as 70,000. But nevertheless, if it's 70,000 or if it's two million people, realize this with me, that was a lot of people to take care of and the hand of God was doing a great job job doing so while they walked through the desert. But then, we read the story of the cloud, the daytime cloud, and the pillar of fire by night. Certainly, it offered protection to them. It protected them from the sun, and, and, and some believe it may have possibly warmed them in the coolness of the desert night. But but regardless of the fact of the matter, the cloud was there by day and the pillar of fire existed by night to lead and to guide Israel on their journey through life. And you and I on this journey through life, we can, we can if you would, choose to make those choices good and bad. We can choose to walk this journey alone or we can choose to walk in the Spirit of the Lord. Even though Israel's decision making was lacking, we know that. 
you know, they, they, they made some really foolish decisions. They made some really foolish choices. Yet we see God, we see the good shepherd still not only offering provision to them, but he's also giving them guidance amidst their hard-headedness or hard-heartedness, if you would. You know, God loves us that much. He, he loves us that much. There's so much of his mercy and grace that even when we're hard-headed, Even when we're hard-headed, even when we're hard-headed, He takes care of us. He watches over us. He makes provision. doesn't mean that we're always necessarily pleasing to Him or walking in what He would will for us. Well, but yet in His mercy and grace, He ministers to us amongst the circumstance that we have. I thank God that when I have been young and dumb and now that I'm not, I'm old and not a whole lot smarter, that His provision is still with me. He is still going with me. He is still feeding me, but He is also guiding me through the work of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to defend the Israelites a little bit. They, they get beat up all the time. It's sort of like Peter, you know. Peter gets beat up for getting out of the boat, but have you ever noticed he was the only one? At least he got up out of the boat, okay? You can't criticize anybody else for sinking, can you? Mm-hmm. We, we can criticize the Israelites if we want to, but I want to defend the Israelites for just a moment if you would allow me. We, 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 we behold them with this critical eye because of their contrary ways. But let's not forget that, that this, this tremendous display of mercy and grace, uh, that, that has been given them by a covenant keeping God. You see, 430 years before, uh, uh, this episode that we read about in Exodus, 430 years before this ever came to pass, God had promised their ancestor Abraham, He had promised them that their seed would never cease to exist. I want you to know God's promises are met and God's promises are kept. God will bless. God will minister. Sometimes, you know, when we're hard-hearted and, and we're hard-headed and we, we're even disobedient, if you will, God is still working when we don't even realize and we don't even sometimes recognize it. But God's still moving and He's still working. And you know what? We... we Sometimes as believers, I'm picking on us as believers sometimes. Sometimes if you listen to us, you wouldn't think that God loves people just as they are. Remember that, those of you that go back to the old black and white TV days like me. And, and, and listen, the only time you had to be quiet in our house was two, two times. There's two people on TV. You better sit down and you be, you be quiet, but you stayed in the living room. You couldn't go out and play. That's when Walter Cronkite was on. For those of you younger, he was a news anchor. And the other time when Billy Graham was on. And I can't tell you one message that Billy Graham ever preached, but I can tell you at the end of every Billy Graham sermon, there was a man named George Beverly Shea that sang a song that said, Just as I am without one plea. And when we go through our life, even sometimes when we're hard-headed and we walk in unbelief, we walk disorderly, and all of that, I want you to know that God still loves us and He wants to do a work in our life and He wants to save us out of our unbelief, He wants to come and redeem us out of all of our circumstances that we are in. He loves us that so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross in order that we might be saved. 
So we see here in the defense of the Israelites, okay, yes, they're being hard-headed. Yes, but but in the, their, their defense, they're also, if you would, they are walking in a covenant commitment that God had made with their father Abraham 430 years before this event ever took place. And I want you to understand this. These Egyptians, whether it was 70,000 or 2 million, who, it, that's really irrelevant. But these Egyptians had known nothing more than the flesh pots of Israel. I mean, of Egypt, excuse me. These Israelites had known nothing more than the flesh pots of Egypt. That had been their life. That had become common to them. You know, sometimes you, you find people that maybe they've suffered a physical handicap or you may find uh, people that have lived a lifestyle so long and to them that was normal, that was, that was commonplace to them. These people had been in Egyptian bondage so long that it was common to them. It's what they thought was normal. It, it was probably abnormal, no doubt, for them to follow this guy that's now their leader, Moses, to follow him out into the desert. It was uncommon for them to cross, walk through the Red Sea as it was backed up on either side. But these people had known nothing but Egyptian slavery. They had always been owned by someone else. I want you to think about that. They had always been owned by someone else. Their decision making in this moment that they're, that they're out in the desert or this, these years that they're out in the desert, their decision making is overshadowed by the control of slavery. They had, had made very few decisions on their own during their years in Egyptian bondage. The confinement of their environment was close. Egypt is only about three times the size of the state of New Mexico. And much of that land was uninhabited, still uninhabited. In fact, estimates that, 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 that the people that occupied Egypt were just in a very close nucleus, if you would, in this day. And it was during those years, that, that's all they knew. They didn't realize anything else. You know, sometimes, the enemy can place us in circumstances and we can be getting used to it. I remember when I was a kid and, uh, you know, uh, we didn't have iPads and, and uh, uh, video games and things like that. We had the woods. And I remember playing in the woods when I was a kid and, 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 uh, and, you know, we didn't have cell phones or none of that. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But I can remember my mom standing out here, my mom squalling and hollering for me, wanting to know where I was at. But I, we, we, us boys could be out playing in the woods and it could get dark on us and we didn't even realize it was really dark because we've been there and we've been in that atmosphere and our eyes got acclimated to the darkness that was around us. You know, that's exactly what happens in our life sometimes. You know, we, we get used to the dark. We get acclimated to the circumstance. We, we don't realize we're at... Listen, the, the Egyptians were acclimated to their circumstance, but now God's bringing them out. And even though they're struggling with it, even though it's, it's hard for them, even though it's a, it's a, it's a new thing that they, they don't understand and they've never experienced before, I want you to know this. As they're doing life, 
has doing, they're doing life, there's not only provision being made, but there is a presence of God that is guiding them all along the way, even though we know they inadvertently walked in circles for years and years and years, the presence of God was leading them and guiding them. To leave Egypt was to leave life for the Israelites. But Jehovah God had something better for them. For you or me to leave our Egypt is to leave what we call life or normalcy of life. But it's to lead us into something that God has that is much better than anything that we can ever imagine. And He's making provision and He guides us through the whole journey if we will just simply trust Him. So often God wants to lead us out of our normalcy into something better. The older we get, the more we like being comfortable, you know? The older I get, the more I like the more softy, cushy cars. Okay? The the older I get, the older I get, the more I like the recliner with the buttons on the side of it, okay? We, we, we like our comfort zone. We like being comfortable in our situation. We like being comfortable in life. But maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to push us into something that may seem less comfortable, but yet He wants to guide us through it. Oftentimes, we, we, it's, it, and that, you see, that was the struggle for the Israelites. The struggle for them was, they said, well, why didn't you just leave us in the flesh pots in Israel? At least we had something to eat. At least we had something to drink. You know, we knew, we knew what was going to happen every single day. You know, we did the same thing over and over. We knew what to expect. Why didn't you just leave us there? But God has something bigger and He has something better for every single one of us if we will press into Him, if we'll look to Him. And you may say, well, well, I'm satisfied with what I have. I'm okay with what I got. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. But God has greater things for us than we can ever imagine if we will press into Him. Jeremiah even wrote, I think it's Jeremiah 23, is that right, Sarah? She helps me all the time with that one. 29, Jeremiah 29, he said, I know the plans that I have for you. He, he said, I have plans for you to prosper. You know, God has plans for us that oftentimes, I, I believe probably, I could honestly say, very few of us, if any of us in this room, have absolutely tapped into everything that God has for us. But we say, you know, because we're Pentecostals, God, I want you, to, I want everything that you have for me, God. I want everything that, I want everything that you've got for me. I want more of you, God. But yet we fail to tap into everything that He has for us. Because sometimes we're too busy with life. But He has greater plans for us. In fact, He says, Jesus said He came to bring you life. And to bring it to you in a more abundant way. A more abundant way than, than you and I have ever known before. And I've been saved many, many years. I've been, I've been, I've been on this journey, uh, a, a good while. Not as long as some of you, but longer than others. But, at, but I tell you what, I find out every single day, He has something new for me. 
He has something new for me every day, every month, every year. God has something new for me in this life journey that I'm on with Him. But I must not just look to His hand, but I've got to look to His face. I've got to look to the to, to the follow the cloud by day and the the pillar of fire by night, if you would. Israel was following a leader. His name was Moses. But they had no idea what was in store. And God wasn't taken by surprise that Israel would struggle. I want to tell you something. For those of you that may be in the room or watching that think, well, I would serve the Lord, but I don't know if I could do it or not. I've got news for you. You can't. I struggled with that a long time myself. I, I, Lord, I'll surrender my heart to you when I know I can live for you. I couldn't. You see, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. That's the work of the Holy Spirit to me in these scriptures is illustrated in the, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. The Holy Spirit is everywhere all over that and it's illustrated because He is the guiding Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will guide us in life. You're not zapped into perfection, nor am I. But the Spirit of God will lead us and guide us into all truth. The Spirit of God will make us new. The Spirit of God will help us through the difficult times, just like He helped all these Israelites through their difficult time. You see, life, life in itself, and a life lived for Jesus, is not always the easiest thing in the world. I'm not going to say that. But I can promise you this, the one that provides and the one that guides is before us and He helps us on this journey. Nobody starts this journey and makes this journey alone. The Israelites had shoes that never wore out. They, they, they drank water out of that rock. They, they ate the manna that fell from heaven. He guided them with that cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was, listen, you think Magellan and, and uh, MapQuest and and uh, Google Maps, and all you think they've got it all. That, that just blows my mind sometimes what those things know. They even know what speed limit you're driving going down the road. Mind that little red light starts flashing every once in a while when I have it on. But here's the reality of it. As smart as these 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 artificial intelligence and all these things are, as smart as they are, none of nothing and no one and nothing has the knowledge of God. If you will follow Him in life. So that third man, the Holy Spirit, was working the cloud and the fiery pillar. The prophet Isaiah clarified the presence of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 63, starting at verse number 11, the prophet Isaiah penned these words. Then his people recalled the days of old. The days of Moses and his people, where is he who brought them through the sea and the shepherd of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them? See, a lot of times as Pentecostals, we think a Holy Ghost didn't, wasn't invented until the day of Pentecost, but that's not true at all. For the Holy Spirit has existed as long as God has existed and God is, is eternal in his existence. Where is the Holy Spirit who sat among them? Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand and Who divided the waters from before them to gain for himself everlasting renown? Who led them through the depths? 
like a horse in open country. They did not stumble like a cattle that go down uh, to the plain. They were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, the Holy Spirit is what guides us through life. When we seek the Holy Spirit, we're seeking the face of God, if you would. He knew how to guide people. He knew how to bring people into this glorious place. So we see a people. At least one, probably more than one generation of people that went from slavery unto life. But they still had to make decisions. And if you don't get anything else this morning, this is what I want you to catch. The decisions that, the decisions that were made by the Israelites as they were on this elongated desert journey. The decisions were made by looking up. For the cloud was overhead by day and the pillar of fire by night. And they would look up and they would look up and they, they would see the presence of God looming over their lives even though they're still walking through the desert sand. And there still may have been scorpions and bugs and Different things there to contend with. But look up. You and I must learn to look up as we go through life. I admit, I admit very much so that it's typically easier easier to see the Egypt that surrounds me in my life than it is to look up sometimes. But I, I recently read this story. And it was a story about some Turkish shepherds in the, in the land of Turkey. They weren't shepherding turkeys. Tur- some Turkish shepherds that were out, out with their flocks. And as uh, they, they, they had, for whatever reason, they had one sheep. One sheep that plunged down an embankment, or we would call it a cliff. That one sheep plunged down that cliff and, and to, 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 to the tragedy of it all, the shepherds were powerless. They couldn't do anything to stop it. Fifteen hundred sheep in total, some fifteen hundred sheep plunged down that cliff behind the first sheep. See what I'm saying is, it's easy for me to conform to the Egypts that are around me. It's easy for me to follow what all the other sheep are doing. 1500 sheep plunged down that cliff. Out of that 400, uh, excuse me, out of that 1500 sheep, it's estimated around between 450 and 500 of those sheep died. Now whether the first one went intentionally, who knows? But the 449 that followed that first sheep, they were all following somebody else. You and I have to be very careful in life that we don't follow the world, the Egypt that is around us. We don't follow what the rest of the world's doing. We don't have to follow what is happening in everybody else's life. That has 1,500 sheep plunged over that embankment. 450 to 500 of them lost their lives. The only reason that any survived, it is said in the report, is because 
the, the pile of sheep became so massive that it cushioned the sheep that fell. They began to cushion on the carcasses of the dead sheep that ensured their survival. I don't want to run the risk of being cushioned on somebody else. I don't want to run the risk of, 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 of finding myself Go, taking the plunge of following the Egypt that is surrounding me. But I want to live my life and I want to live my life for Christ. A number of years ago in the Pentecostal Holiness Appalachian Conference of our church, we had an old, I shouldn't call him old, he wasn't really that old, he's probably my age now. We had an evangelist and his name was Jim Hillard. And Jim Hillier, well, he was a character within himself. And anytime you heard Jim Hillier preach, you would hear, hear Jim Hillier quote a, a, a really old quotation, and I don't know who where it originated with, but he would say, only one life will soon be passed, and only those things done for Christ will last and last. See, as we go through life, the only thing that's really going to matter is not spinning a wheel and how much we can collect, how many pegs we can get in our car, whether everybody else likes our cereal or not. Whether we're a stick guy that's printed all over a hat and our name is Jake. It's not about those things, but life is about serving Jesus. Life is about pleasing Him and following kingdom purpose. Three times in the King James Bible, we're instructed to lift up our heads. Psalms 24 and verse 7. Psalms 24 and again it's reiterated in verse 9 about concerning lifting up our heads. Luke 21 and verse 28 it says, then Jesus gives instruction on what to expect in the end time. We find it because Jesus said this, and when these things begin to pass, then look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draweth nigh. So look up in life. Look up to Jesus. Look up to Him. Look up to Him and let Him bless you. You see, life's more than a game, it's more than a t-shirt, and it's a, more than a bowl of cereal. This life is serious business. And, and this life, I talked to a fellow just uh, earlier in the week, this past week, and he looked at me, he said, religion's okay if you believe in afterlife. He said, but I don't believe in afterlife. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't engage with him uh, in an argument, but I thought to myself, you know what, what, what if you're wrong, my friend? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? If you're right, I haven't lost anything because I've enjoyed living my life for the cause of Christ. But what if I'm right and you're the one that's wrong? Only one life will soon be passed and all those things done for Christ will last and last. Listen, this life at its very best is a temporary circumstance. James James said in his epistle that it's just here for a little time. It's just like a vapor. It's just like the fog. It's just like the steam that appears for a little while then it vanishes away. It's not a spin of the wheel or a roll of the dice. But life is serious business. But not just this life alone, but eternal life.
It's about looking up. Looking into eternity. First message I ever preached. And that was a long time ago. Back before people recorded messages and things like that. But I do know what I preached on because I've got it written in the the front of the Bible that I was using back in that day. The first message I ever preached was a message, and I pulled my text from the martyr, Stephen. And I went back and I visited those scriptures this week, and I read Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 56. And it's, the Bible reads, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him because Stephen was testifying of Jesus. It says, but Stephen, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, Getting ready to be stoned. His life taken from him. His life in this world. In this dimension, he looked up to heaven. He looked up. He looked up. And he beheld the Christ. He beheld his Lord. And he was, he was, he was standing. Not sitting, but he was standing at the right hand of God. He had the attention of his Savior. If you and I will look up in life, I think we can, we can get the attention of our Lord. Look, he said, Stephen said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So life is all about trusting and yielding yourself to the work of the Lord. Proverbs 3, Solomon said in all his wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's a key word. Lean not to your own understanding. I want to tell you something. I, I, I haven't figured, I haven't figured out how God does it all. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I haven't figured out how God does it all, okay? There's a lot of things I haven't figured out. I haven't figured out how a man can go down here in North Carolina somewhere and get an old, ugly, white, stinking chicken. And process it through and squeeze it up in a patty and, and then deep fry it and put it on a bun and we go to Chick-fil-A and pay nine dollars a piece for it. I, I ain't figured that out either. Okay? And I certainly haven't figured out why and how God does some of the things that He does, but I have figured out if I will look up to Him. All the matters of life that, that all the things that pertain to life, he knows, he understands, they have not escaped his comprehension, he has not lost control. Listen, I'm not frantic, I'm not wringing my hands, I'm not losing it, because I believe God is still God, and as we used to sing, he always will be God, he is in charge of life, life comes from him, life exists in him. So look up, trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. And here's the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Because what Solomon says, if you do all of that, then He will make your path straight. Life. 
I don't want to do it without Jesus. I don't want a little car with sticks. I don't want to throw the dice or spin the wheel or I don't want to, I don't want to be, eat a box of cereal that's going to get stale sitting on the shelf. Uh, that, that, that's not the kind of life I want. I, I don't want the little, I don't want Jake the stick man all over my hat. I don't really care for it anyway, you know, but, but here, but here's the deal. I can do without a lot of things in life, but I can't do without my Jesus. Life. Don't do it without him. If you bow your heads for me just a second. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask you a question in this room today. Is there anybody in this room that you recognize, man, I've been doing my life without Jesus. You've been doing it the Burger King way. You've been having it your own way. If you're in this room this morning and you've been doing your life without Jesus, I, I just, I just like for you to slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but say, pray for me, Pastor. Anybody in the room, real quickly. Pray for me, Pastor. I've been doing life without Him. I take it from that lack of response that everybody in this room is content with where you're at with the Lord. But you may be in this room and Things may have been really tough for you. They've been, maybe it's been a treacherous time in your life. There's a lot happening. There's a lot going on. Sometimes you may even wondered if you weren't better off to stay back at Egypt where everything was at least sort of normal. If you've been going through some stuff in your, in your walk with the Lord and and you've been feeling discouraged, and you've been feeling downtrodden. You're, you, you, you know, you're just overwhelmed right now. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, "Pray for me, Pastor." Anybody in this room? Just pray for me, Pastor. Thank you. Any other hands? Pray for me. Thank you. Any other hands? I don't want to embarrass you. I've already told you that. But what I want to do right now, I want to give everybody in this room, I want to give you the opportunity. Can and will. Especially those of you that raised your hands this morning. I want you to have the opportunity to come up here and let's take a few moments of corporate prayer together. I think there's something special about coming and and gathering in close proximity. So if you would, uh, if you didn't raise your hand, come on. Come on, church family. Let's, let's make our way up here. And we want you, those of you that slipped your hands up, we want you to come and to gather. And as you have gathered, we're going to pray with you. And if you want us to pray for you, just get, get my attention and we'll be more than happy to pray for you. This morning, I want us to look up. I want us to look up. Because I want us to behold everything that the Lord has for us. And when you don't know which way to turn, which way to go, what your next move is, look up. Look up. Fathers, we come to you today. Lord, we pray, Lord, for the people of this room. 
Lord, I pray for people that have watched by live stream or listening by radio today. God, we're just praying and believing that you're ministering in their lives. God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that in all that we do, that, Lord, we will look up to you, God. Lord, we will, we will cast our dependency upon you, Lord, as our God. God, you made provision for us time and time and time again, Lord. You made, you made, you've made a way for us. You fed us, Lord God, and, and you've nurtured us, but God, Lord, we're looking to you to guide us through life, Lord. Guide people, Lord, through the, the circumstances that they have found themselves in today. God, I'm praying, Lord, today that you will move and Lord, you will work and Lord, you will bless and, and Lord, you will minister, Lord God, as we make this journey of life. Or we realize our destination, Lord, is, is far beyond here. Lord God, it's, 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 Lord, it's, it's kingdom, Lord. It's kingdom destination. And God, I'm just praying that today, Lord, that you are ministering and working and, and meeting the needs, Lord God, in these lives today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that today, uh, that Lord God, as we, as we just pray and, and believe God that that, Lord, that every circumstance we face, Lord God, that Your hand will be upon us, Lord. Lord, we're trusting You. We're choosing to trust You, Lord, for Your leadership and Your guidance, Lord. God, be that cloud by day. Be that pillar of fire by night. And God, just minister, Lord, to us, Lord, as You so choose, Lord, today. God, forbid that we look towards Egypt. Forbid that we look to the world around us, Lord, for our, our guidance. Forbid that we, we begin to mold and shape ourselves in the way of the world. But God, I pray that today, Lord, that we submit ourselves to You. We commit ourselves to You in all of our ways, in all of our doings, Lord God. And You will minister and You will bless in our circumstances. God, we worship you today. We thank you today for your goodness. In Jesus' name.